0: We had a great, uh, as you know, we're doing this, this series on values to live by Sundays and Wednesdays. So um, uh, we're just kind of motoring through this thing here for a little bit. And, and so uh, Sunday we talked about, you know, choosing the standard that we're going to build our lives on. And, uh, and we would either build it on culture, on ourself, or on God. And we talked about that. And most people Sunday morning stood up and said they wanted to build it on a foundation of God, and, uh, and so we can build our lives on something more stable. Uh, we learned in that message that beliefs determine our uh, actions, which determines our character, because we, what we think about is what we become, and so we talked a little bit about that, and, and so today we're going we're gonna to start learning some of the biblical values that were uh, in there, and so... Uh, today won't be as heavy as Sunday was all right and uh but uh, we're going to start looking at God's word to get a baseline in our lives some, something we can build our lives on so that when everything's going crazy we can we can stand and the first one we're going to look at is accepting responsibility is we want to accept responsibility it's the, it's the foundation of all the rest of them and uh and so you see Winston Churchill's quote. Uh, up there, it says, responsibility is the price of greatness. And uh, that was uh, one of his quotes. And, and uh, in other words, if you want to do something great with your life, you've got to become a person of, uh, that's responsible. You've got to accept responsibility and, and be responsible. So we're going to begin with this value. Uh, like I said, it's the foundation. It's, and, and really, being responsible is something that God gives us. It's an ability to respond to life to respond to opportunities, to respond to troubles, relationships, everything. It's kind of what makes us human. We can be responsible or irresponsible. It's a choice that we get to make. Now, we talked a little bit about this Sunday in the last 50 years. There's been a decline in in a lot of values, and there's been a big decline in accepting responsibility for anything. Uh, Nobody wants to take responsibility anymore. Uh, You know, they instantly look for somebody to blame. That's nothing new. Adam did it. In the garden, he blamed Eden. She blamed the snake, and the snake didn't have a leg to stand on. But anyway, uh, you know, it it it's not new. But you know, I mean, think about it. When the Saints lose, who do we blame? The referees, or we'll blame six people being out on defense or whatever, not the fact that they stunk up the field. I mean, you know, and uh, and you young people, y'all are not used to this. The Saints have been the most winningest team in the NFL for the last five years. But some of us that are a little older than you, we remember the 0-16 year. And and we gave Tampa Bay one in 15. We gave Tampa Bay their first ever victory. And uh, we've we've helped a few teams do that, I think. And so, I mean, you know, uh, we 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 but we want to blame somebody, you know. And um and so what what think about it with me, what causes that in a society? You know, I mean what's happened to our society that nobody wants to accept responsibility I mean, you can have, I mean, the guy that drove through our building probably don't want to accept responsibility, but we got him on video, okay, so, uh, you know, but, but none of us want, it's always somebody else's fault, and, uh, and so we want to look at that, and, and so uh, we looked at it, and we learned that beliefs determine our behavior, which determines our character, and so we're going to look about, we're going to look at three things tonight that are causes of that that have led to, really, our opposite of values, three enemies of taking personal responsibility. You've got a rights mentality, a victim mentality, and an entitlement mentality. We're going to look at each of those. So first, write it down. The rights mentality. That, that, something goes like this. I have my rights. I have my freedoms. We're obsessed with rights. Listen to some of these. We've got criminal rights, and we should. We've got victims' rights. We've got computer rights. We've got intellectual rights. We've got animal rights. We've got abortion rights. I mean, you know, you hear a lot about that. We've got the right to die. We've got the right to not be tested, the right not to be vaccinated. Mental patients used to have a right for treatment, and then the ACLU sued and got them the right to not be treated, and so now they're all under the bridge, and, uh, which has been a terrible tragedy, uh, but the law has done that. And, and so our culture's reached this point with obsession of personal rights and not personal responsibility. And uh, we're obsessed with rights, and, uh, which is making it hard for us to think as a society. You know, I grew up being taught you, 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 you give to the greater good, you know, and, and that's not the mentality anymore. I mean, in USA, in America, we have something nobody else has. It's called a Bill of Rights. But um, somebody once said, along with the Bill of Rights, we need a Bill of Responsibilities. And, uh, and I think we've lost touch with that part. Now, let me tell you, we kind of, as Christians, do have a bill of responsibilities. It's called the Ten, Sug- I mean, the Ten Commandments. They're not suggestions. Uh, you know, it, those are a bill of responsibility right there. We, we're responsible for some things. So, you know, today you hear a lot of people talking about rights but not personal responsibility. You hear people talking about entitlement but not their obligations. You hear people talking about themselves but not how what they do impacts other people. And, uh, and so people use the argument, hey, uh, you know, what's, what blows my mind is we got people who've been pro-abortion for years saying, my body, my choice, my body, my choice. And now people who were vehemently opposed to abortion to not be vaccinated are saying, my body, my choice. And there's something wrong when two opposite beliefs are using the same argument to justify what they're doing. And, uh, and so we're going, we're going to look beyond beyond these rights. Uh, now, um, the second thing is you've got the is the victim mentality. So the first is rights, and now it's victim mentality. It goes like this: It's not my fault. It's my mama's fault. She spoiled me, or spoiled me the way I grew up saying it. But she spoiled me, and uh, and you know it's somebody always somebody else's fault. It's your spouse's fault. You're not happy. It's your boss's fault that you're not happy, that you're not promoted or whatever. It's your parents' fault. It's whatever. You blame anybody but yourself. And uh, and and I want you to to write out blame on your paper, but put a B and a dash because whenever you're you're whenever you're uh, blaming somebody, you're being lame. Just understand that you're I was supposed to. That was funnier in my mind than it was, but I mean, you know. So anyway, somebody wrote a book called "We're a Nation of Victims." Uh, and called it The Decay of American Culture. Let me give you a few examples out of this book of the victim mentality. An FBI agent embezzled $2,000, this happened a while back, from the government. And then he loses it all in an afternoon of gambling in Atlantic City. He's fired, but get this, he was reinstated after a court ruled that his affinity for gambling with other people's money is a handicap and thus as a handicap is perfect, protected by federal law, so somewhere out there is an FBI agent that's uh, convicted of gambling, but he got got reinstated because uh, it's a it's a disability. Uh, somebody else got fired for consistently showing up late for work. He's in a school district, and that employee sued their former employers, saying that he was a victim of what his lawyer called chronic lateness syndrome. anybody ever heard of that one? Some some of y'all might have it. I don't know, but. But he was rein- they tried to get him reinstated. Another guy uh, steals a car from a parking lot and was killed while he's joyriding in it. His family sued the parking lot and said they didn't take enough safety measures to keep their cars from being stolen and won money uh, from the car lot. It's, that's, uh, it's not your fault. That's why they can break in your house, get hurt in your house, and sue you and get, and get something. Uh, a man, by his own admission, had exposed himself between ten and 20,000 times, and then convicted of flashing on uh, more than 30 occasions, is turned down for a job as a park attendant in, in a county up in Wisconsin. Because of his arrest record, they turned him down. But he sued them on grounds that he never exposed himself in a park, and the job uh, organization, whatever it is with the state, uh, said that, that it was, he was a victim of an illegal job discrimination and made them hire him. Folks, we've become a nation of victims and stupid people that are in charge. I mean, that's, in, that's in, we are a victim mentality. It's always somebody else's fault. The third is an entitlement mentality. This one is real easy. You owe me. You owe me. Uh, I deserve it. The world owes me a living. A lot of people believe that today. See, uh, a lot of people my age were raised. Now my mama threw out Dr. Spock's book, but Dr. Benjamin Spock. You know, Some of y'all might have been raised with that, and that was like, let the little tyrant do what he wants. He'll get tired eventually, you know what I mean? And that's why we've got a bunch of people, uh, baby boomer age, that are just spoiled and, and want their own way, you know? And, and, uh, and, and they were also raised uh, not to take responsibility for anything. And then you throw in a little bit of government intervention, where the government's come along in the last 40 years and said, hey, look, we're going to take care of you from cradle to death, cradle to grave. And and we're going to take care of you. And, and we've got a, a society now where people just don't want to work. They, want, they, they believe that our government owes them a living. Wake up, people. It does not. There's no. Zig Ziglar used to say this. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And there's not. Uh, I mean, but this mindset is prevalent. It, it, was, it was amazing to me. In Florida, where they cut off the uh, expanded benefits back during the COVID thing, they cut them off. And the people that lost their unemployment sued the state because I lost my unemployment. Well, go get a job. Every, every window in the city, and every city's got a we're hiring now. Everybody's hiring. They don't have enough jet fuel because they can't get truck tanker truck drivers to drive to the airports. Uh, we've got 25 chairs sitting in a, in a shipping place downtown because they don't have enough drivers to drive a truck out here with our chairs on it. I mean, there's just a shortage in, in our area is one of the worst areas. So, um, you know, we, we just got this entitlement mentality. And, and so, you know, so now we want to blame everybody else for our problems. That's in great contrast to what the Bible teaches. So let's go ahead and look at the Word of God. Ephesians, Paul said this, live life then with a due sense of responsibility. Underline that, with a due sense of responsibility. Not as men who don't know the meaning and purpose of life, but as those who do. See, as Christians, as followers of Christ, we know we've been put here for a purpose and a reason. And so we need to, we need to live life like we know that there's a reason we're here. Not just to go to work and make a little money and, and blow it all. He said live with a due sense of responsibility. So God says we're to live with that sense of responsibility because now we know the meaning of life. You know why God put you here. And God placed. Let me tell you, if you don't know that, God put you here for a reason. You're, you've got a purpose for your life, and uh, and and one of the things that we've got to learn to deal with is uh, as we look at this is why should we try and live as a responsible adult? Uh, you know, besides your wife would beat you guys. But uh, so let's look at look at some reasons. One, write this down because God is watching. We should live a responsible life because God's watching. Once, uh there was a guy that broke into a house one time, and he was he was looking all through the house, and they had a parrot, and the parrot kept saying, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching, and the guy kept just telling the parrot to shut up, and he's going around looking, and and, and the parrot said, Jesus is watching. Jesus is watching, and all of a sudden, he noticed this pit bull over there, and the parrot said, Jesus is watching. Jesus. The pit bull was named Jesus, and, uh, and so tore him up a little bit, so look. The the fact is, Jesus is watching. (laughs) He sees everything. Look what Hebrews says in Hebrews 4.13. Nothing in all the world can be hidden from God. Nothing. Everything is clear and lies open before him. To him, we must explain the way, and to him, we must explain the way we've lived. Now, think about that. We've got to explain to God how we've been living. See, he not only sees everything, but one day, we're going to be accountable to him, and we're going to stand before him and give an account of, of how we've lived our life, what we've done. Now, that's, that's if you're a Christian. I mean, if you're, if you're not a believer in Christ, the judgment is, what would you do with my son? Hell or heaven? Over here, we're judged as we go into heaven for, for our rewards that we'll get in heaven. So this life is a test. It's a test where we can build up and send things ahead into heaven that are going to be there. It doesn't matter how long you live, 80, 90 years. My mother made it 99, but it's just a moment in eternity. We're going to be in, in heaven or in hell for eternity. You're going to live forever in one place or the other. And my wife's, uh, my father-in-law used to say, heaven is a prepared place for prepared people. And and we've got to be prepared uh, for heaven. So, uh, you know, what you do in this life will influence uh, how your eternity is going to be. But God put us here to know him personally and to develop character. So we've got to understand it. We, one of the purposes of our church, we want people to know God. We want people to know God personally. And, uh, and then he wants us to develop character. In other words, in Romans 8, he wants us to become more and more like Jesus every single day. And, uh, and that's why we're here, to develop the character that, 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 that God wants us to have. Now listen, we'd make all the money in the world you can't take it with you. I did one time see a funeral procession with an armored car behind it, but I don't think the armored car was part of the procession. But, uh, but you know, um, you know we, I did hear about a guy who wanted to take it all with him, and uh, when they put him in the ground and covered him up, somebody said, well, what are you going to do now? He took all his fortune with him. She said, well, I wrote a check. That one never got used, did it? <laughs> Jesus says we will be rewarded in heaven for what we do in this life for him. And so what we do in this life, we're sending rewards forward. So we will be rewarded, you know, in heaven. So we, wanna, we, wanna, uh, we, we need to understand that. So God is watching. Romans 14, 12 says each of us will give a personal account to God. That's Paul saying it now. So we're going to give that account to God. Uh, this means, you know, you've got, to, you've got to stand before God and explain yourself. Your mama can't do it. You, you know, nobody can do it for you. You're going to have to do that. See, God sees everything we've ever done. Now, I think most of us know that. He also knows every thought we've ever thought. Now, that's going to scare some of you. And, uh, and, and so, you know, when we try and blame somebody else or hide what we're doing, uh, thinking nobody will ever know. You might be thinking, you know, I did this, nobody will ever find out. I was out of town, nobody will know what's done in Vegas, stays in Vegas. God was in Vegas, okay? He knows. Uh, it's like the, like the parrot said, Jesus is watching. <laughs> he's watching. And, uh, and, and he's the only one that really, really matters. And you can fool me, you might fool Pastor Kathy, but you'll never fool God. And so... And so we want to want to make sure we're going to give it that personal account. We should also live responsibility responsibly because others are affected by my life. See, my life affects other people. Pastor Kathy's always asking uh, young men at Rivard and stuff, you know, who's coming behind you? Who's who's coming behind you? Who's who's your younger brother, your nephews and stuff? They're seeing you and they're following you. Our our life affects other people. Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 10 24. He said, Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. See, we're not just responsible for ourselves, we're to look for the good of other people. Somebody said, Well, I'm not my brother's keeper. Well, according to Paul, we are. We are our brother's keeper in a great way. We, We don't live life in a bubble. We're not independent, but according to the Word of God, we're interdependent. We depend on each other. And that's not the prevailing mindset today. We say things like, I'm not my brother's keeper. You know, Frank Sinatra said, I did it my way. You know, uh, he might not like his way right now. I don't know. You know, it's my life and and I'll live it my way. What's it to you? People have that mindset. The problem with that mentality is it's wrong. It's wrong to have that mentality. It doesn't work. And if you think this way, you're wrong. Every decision you make affects not only you but other people. It's a ripple effect. It's like you throw a rock in a pond and you watch the ripples. You may not see the results of your choices, but let me tell you, your choices impact people. Your choices, for instance, addiction. Addiction, uh, you might think, well, it's just the guy that's in trouble. The guy drove a car through the building or whatever, but you know, it impacts his family. If he'd have died, it would impact his family in a big way. Uh, you know, it impacts, I mean, it puts uh, parents in a stressful situation when their children are are, are suffering with addiction and and it impacts hobbies and works. It impacts everybody. Sickness, I mean, sickness impacts you know people. You might you might be with somebody that's on an extended sickness and have to take a leave of absence from work or something. You know I mean, these things uh, you know impact other people. Suicide. People say, well, that's you know, guy killed himself. Well, yeah, but he devastated so many people. I've been on so many suicide scenes and seen the devastation that comes when that person has decided. That they can't deal with the pain anymore and they take their own life. And it it hurts people. See, nothing we do is done in a bubble. Everything in my life impacts somebody else. That's the second reason to be responsible. Third reason is because God rewards responsibility. Deuteronomy 28.2, Moses wrote, You will experience all these blessings if you, what? Obey the Lord. God blesses God. Obedience. God blesses obedience. And, 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 he, and he blesses it in ways you can't even imagine. More than you can imagine. He says he'll pour out blessings on every every of life if you will live responsibly with your time, your relationships, your money, your life. See, one of the ways God uh, wants to bless us uh, when we're responsible is he gives us more. Look at Matthew 25, 29. He's, Jesus is talking. He said, To those who use well what they're given... That's your gifts, your talents. It could be your resources. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given. Think about that. You're using it well. Remember the parable of the talents? The guy that had 10, invested 10, gave his master 20, and his master gave him more. To those who use well what they're given, even more will be given, and they will have abundance. But for those who do nothing, even what they have will be taken away. And so we want to be responsible because God rewards responsibility. Guys, whatever it is that you've been given, you've got to use. He, he's going to, you know, he's not going to ask you, you know, how much money you made when you stand standing in front of him. He's going to say, what would you do with what I gave you? What would you do with what I gave you? Why should God, I mean, think about it. Why should God give you more money when you're not being responsible with what you have? I mean, why should he do that? Why should God give you more money? when you're not being responsible with what you have. And, uh, and so he doesn't, listen, he doesn't have an obligation to help us out of a mess we get ourselves in. He's not obligated to do this. Sometimes he might, might give you some ideas or something. But when we're irresponsible, he's not obligated. If I go gamble away my paycheck, he's not going to pay my house note. He's going to let me learn a lesson because he's wanting to develop my character and uh And so he wants us to live responsibly, so uh, but when we do live responsibly, he'll bless our socks off in ways you never imagined so how can we how can we be a more responsible person? I mean, if you want to look at it, the whole Bible, all sixty six books are a guidebook for responsible living. There are so many good principles to live by, and let me tell you, when you're living by biblical principles, they work, you know, but when you're violating biblical principles, they don't work you know and and so We'll just give you a, a few here. One is you can be more responsible by saving money. See, God says you're spent when you're spending everything you make. He said you're being foolish. Proverbs twenty one twenty. It says this: the wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Americans save less than any nation in the world. Our average is about five percent. Japan's around twenty five percent. Some of the Europeans are fifteen to the 20%. We're we're less and yet we're more we generate more wealth. We just blow it off. And uh and and you know so what we do is we charge like crazy. It was an interesting a while back I saw I think it was Walmart is ending their layaway. They've had layaway forever. But why are they ending layaway? Cuz we got to have it now. We got to have it now. So we just put that $2000 on our credit card and pay that interest out forever and uh instead of doing a layaway, and you don't get the fun until you pay the bill, you know, and uh, we want to have our fun now, and, uh, and so, you know, now with Amazon, used to be Americans spend about six or seven hours a week shopping, man, Amazon, I bet some of y'all blow that out the water on a Monday night, or a Sunday afternoon watching, you know, I mean, Kathy laughs at me, because I love to see that prime truck come up, you know, and uh, I've, I've been feeling bad, so I'm trying to use some local stores again, you know, but but listen, somebody one time said this, when the going gets tough, the tough go shopping. Now, why, why is it important to save? Why is it important to save? The number one cause of divorce is not adultery. The number one cause of divorce is debt. It's over money. It's debt. Most divorces in America are due to financial irresponsibility. So what are we teaching our kids when we spend it all? We don't save anything. We don't tithe anything. Uh, you know, what are we teaching? Somebody asked John D. Rockefeller, one of the wealthiest guys in the country when he was alive, said, have you become, at that time, the wealthiest man in America? He says, easy. He said, I, I tithe back 10% to God. I save 10% and I live on 80%. That's a pretty good formula. I've known men that, that tithe 60%. I told one guy that I knew their accountant, and I said, yeah, but they're rich. It's easy for them to do that. He said, they did that when they had a paper route. I knew them when they were kids. And, uh, and, and so they were given like that. But God blesses that. And, and that's a good starting point, 10, 10, and 80. And uh, so maybe you've been being irresponsible with your finances. You might consider beginning that plan where you're saying, hey, I'm going to start saving 10%. I'm going I'm to start giving 10%, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to learn to live on the 80%. And uh, so maybe test yourself. A-plus would be you're doing the 10, 10, 80 or even more. Uh, F would be you're spending it all. You're on the 110% plan. You know, you're spending 10% more than you make. And that's unfortunately where a lot of Americans are. The second way we become responsible is by controlling our reactions. Number one was good enough. But number two, controlling our reactions. See, I can't control events that happen to me. But I can control how I respond to those events. I couldn't control where Hurricane Ida was coming, but I could control whether I was going to leave or stay or whether I, what I'm going to do with my house and stuff like that. You can control your response. Now, it might be difficult when somebody cuts you off on the GNO and you're just wanting to give them the uh, ugly eye, you know, and stuff, But but you can control it. You can control it. Don't ever say, I can't control it. As a Christian, you can control it. See... Uh, you know, God's saying to us today: if we want to be responsible and mature, we've got to learn to control our responses to the pressures of life, to the stresses, to that person that cuts you off, that person that makes you mad at work. Uh, you know, people who don't agree with us, and uh, we've become so divided in our culture. You know, over so many things. It was race for a while. Now it's vaccine, anti-vaccine. I mean, it's it's gone crazy. We've got to learn to control our reaction. And one of the keys. It's to control of being a responsible person. Is to control our emotional reactions. Proverbs twenty nine eleven says this: A fool expresses all his emotions. Anybody besides me been part of that first part of that? I mean, you know, some of y'all lying. I see y'all out there. And um, but I'm, I mean, a fool expresses. How many, I've felt foolish so many times over the years, uh, mostly long ago. But but uh, where you just express your emotion, you lose your temper. Would be a modern day way to say that. Uh, I had to apologize to everybody in the gymnasium one time. And I was the director of the adult Sunday school class at the time. So, I mean, you know, but but he says a wise person controls them. How many besides me you want to be wise? I want to be wise. And so we learn to control that. And, and so check this out. Jesus said this, and I tell you that on judgment day, people are going to be responsible for every careless thing they have said. Now, that one, think about how many careless words... You've said in your lifetime, or how many harmful words you've said? You're in. And, and there's a judgment day coming. Even as Christians, there's a judgment day for rewards that we'll have in heaven. We're going to make heaven, but there's there's a better neighborhood in heaven, and a not as good enough. And 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 look, heaven is going to be wonderful. Don't matter if you're in in the, uh, Avondale section of, uh, of uh, I might have just gotten in trouble with people. It don't matter what section of town, uh, in he- as long as you're in heaven, you're in heaven. I mean, you know, it's going to be good, but it can be better. I almost said gooder. It can be better, you know, uh, because you, the things we do here send rewards on. But the things we do here also get us maybe a little bit of a stern look from Jesus on the way in as we look at those careless words we've said. And, uh, you know, so think about that, that we'll give an account to Jesus for everything we've said the next time you pull that phone out when you see something, and, man, you're just like typing in all caps, Think about it. You're going to give an accountability to Jesus for it. Or the next time you're going to say something or give somebody the ugly eye, we're going to be accountable. We don't, you know, the Bible says don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Conquer evil by doing good. Listen, uh, we want you, know, you, don't, you don't defeat evil with more evil. We want to show people we're responsible and we do that by not getting even when they do something to us. That, that's, that makes, at some point, they're going to think about that. And, uh, and so, but when we try and get even, we're no better than the person that offended us. You know, what, what good is Christ in us if we're trying to get even like everybody else is? So don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Martin Luther King said this, darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate, only love can do that the way we overcome evil is with love and so when you can return good for evil then you show that you've given yourself to the Lord and you've given that that situation to the Lord so you might put a grade beside that one of how you would rate on that how do you rate are you able to control your reaction are you still giving people the evil eye I wish I could say it was a spiritual reason I don't give the evil eye to anybody I'm actually just scared they're gonna shoot at me in traffic but But, uh, you know, I I think I got a little spiritual maturity going, but but some of it is. I mean, today it's crazy out there. And so you need to learn more than ever to control yourself. Plus, you know what? Maybe somebody will see me handling something the right way, and they'll ask why, and I can share Jesus with them. How about that? Third thing, we become responsible by guarding our thoughts. We've got to guard our thoughts. Proverbs 23, 7 said, For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. How I'm thinking is what i become. And so everything, good or bad, starts with our thoughts. It's our thoughts that influence our feelings. Our feelings influence our actions, and and our actions develop our character. But it all starts with what we think right up here. We've got to guard our thoughts. Now, let me relieve you of some false guilt. Some of you all think because it pops in your mind, you're going to be held accountable for it. You, You know, somebody one time said, you can't keep a bird from flying over your head but you can keep him from building a nest in your hair. So it's those thoughts that you dwell on, you know. And, uh, so thoughts are going to pop in. They come from all sorts of places, conversations. Somebody might say something that triggers you. It might be a sound. You've got a gambling addiction, you hear that little one-armed bandit sound, and, man, it triggers you. It, it, you know, things might be something you've seen by accident. could be the devil. And when the devil does it, it's a temptation. When God puts a thought in your mind, it's an inspiration. And so the thoughts can come from all over, but it's you're not responsible for that thing just pops up. You're responsible if you let it stay there and take root, and you start thinking about it, and you start uh, planning on it. And uh, and so you need to understand that you allow things in your mind a couple of different ways. One is through the eye gates. So guys, you got to keep your eyes in the right places. Ear gate is what we listen to, and uh, and so we need to we need to understand. It says it says uh, um, says a wide pers- wise person is hungry for knowledge while a fool feeds on trash. Folks, we don't want to feed on trash. And too many times we're feeding on trash. Don't feed on the trash. Don't listen to trash music. Don't watch trash stuff on TV. And that's getting harder and harder to do. Even Hallmark, they keep creeping stuff in there. And, uh, and so you, you might think you can listen to trash. You might think you can watch trash. And it doesn't impact you. Let me ask you a question. Why do you think Budweiser and Coke and all these people pay a million dollars for a 15-second commercial during the Super Bowl? Because people are going to go buy what they're advertising. If, if none of that mattered, these football players would be playing high school ball. I mean, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be making any money. The money comes from advertisements, and people advertise because it works. When you see that cold beer on there, make makes some of you want to go get one. When you see that coat, make some of the others of us want to go get one, whatever, you know. And, and so you've got to understand they do that for a reason because it works. And so if you think that you can watch trash continually, look, it impacts us. I watch Black Hawk Down, and I'm ready to go bomb Somalia. I mean, you know, it's just like it, it gets me, you know. I'm like, I'm a Navy SEAL. We're going back, you know. I mean, she won't let me watch those movies anymore because I get all, all, you know, and, and, uh, and, and it impacts you. It impacts us. And so uh, if, if it didn't, they wouldn't advertise. So just remember, garbage in, garbage out. Whatever you put in your mind is eventually going to come out in behavior. And stuff that's offensive, here's the way it works. Stuff that you think is offensive, if you watch it, all of a sudden it doesn't look as offensive anymore. And one of the, one of the big ways Satan uses to get it that way is to get us to laugh at offensive stuff. He'll use comedians to start sharing stuff that's uh, deviant behavior, and and will try and get it accepted by getting you to laugh at it. And when you laugh at it, then all of a sudden you you start thinking it's not so bad, you know, because you're laughing at it. That's why we don't watch a lot of shows today. Uh, we, you know, if it's got homosexuality in it, if it's got out of wedlock stuff going on and sexual promise, we don't watch that stuff. I mean, we'll stop it as soon as something pops up. Don't watch it. We're done, and 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 so we've got to get that way because they're always trying to slip something in to make something acceptable that's not acceptable. And so uh, you've got to you've got to guard what your thoughts are. You've got to guard your mind because when you let it in, it's in there. It doesn't go away. You can you can cover it with the blood, but it doesn't go away. Now, some people I've had people say this. I don't really. Feel a desire to read the Bible. That's because we filled our mind with trash. We filled our mind with other stuff. I mean, there's different things you can fill your mind with. One is poison. You can fill your, that, that'd be stuff like porn and stuff like that. Some stuff is filling. It's not either bad or good. That's like knowing the statistics for every Super Bowl game for the last 20 years. You, some people know that stuff. I couldn't tell you who played last year, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, when the Saints aren't in it, who cares, you know? So, uh, but, you know, some people know all those stats. That's just stuff. That's filler. But you don't want to fill your brain up with that and not have room for the Word of God. You've got to fill your mind with the Word of God. Proverbs fifteen fourteen says, once again, a wise person is hungry for knowledge. We want knowledge of God, folks. And just think about that. The fourth thing, we can be responsible by, oh, boy. So the one I don't like, admitting my mistakes. Pastor Kathy's always accused me of never being thinking I'm wrong. Husbands, just agree with me. We're always wrong. So you know. Um, but it says a man who refuses to admit his mistakes lives outside. I'm, no, it doesn't say that. A man who refuses to admit his mistakes can never be successful. So we've got to learn to admit our mistakes. You know what? Most businesses, most jobs, if you admit the mistake and own it, and say, look, I'd I make sure this doesn't happen again. You'll get another chance. You lie about it, done. Because no boss wants to be lied to. So, but if he confesses and forsakes them, what does it say? He gets another chance. So we've got God will give us another chance if we go to him and we admit our mistake. And if you confess your sins, he's going to forgive them. And you know, the Bible also says this. Don't point your finger at someone else and try and pass the blame. Don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. It didn't work for Adam. It's not going to work for you. So don't just stop blaming people for your own mistakes, your own faults, your sin. Take responsibility. Even, even if it's only 10%, my, my problem, own that 10%. You know, own, own your part. Maybe you've been through a horrible time. Maybe you did a little bit to help bring that on. Own your part of it. Own your part of it and, uh, and go to God with it. Uh, and listen, uh, we we trying to excuse and accuse, you know what I mean? We're trying to excuse ourselves and accuse somebody else. And so we've got to stop doing that. And and listen, let me tell you, this message is for me, she can tell you, as much as it is for you. Because here's why. The Bible says this, For and I'm wrapping up. For everyone has sinned. Everyone. That includes me and you and y'all and every one of us. We've all sinned and we... It says we've fallen short of God's glorious ideal or his standard. And his glorious standard is Jesus. You see, you don't have to just be better than Robert. You've got to be better than Jesus. And nobody is. And so we've all sinned. We've all fallen short. And so we've all got to come to God and admit our mistakes to him. See, but verse 24 says, yet God in his grace... Freely makes us right in his sight. And he did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of sin. See? He said everybody's guilty. But God says, you know what? You're guilty, Robert. I'm forgiving you. Because Jesus, my son, paid for your, your, your meal. He paid your price. He paid your price. To help you understand that, Jesus paying for our sins. It'd be like it would be like a judge saying, yes, you're guilty, and coming off the stand and saying, I'm taking your penalty. Or Pastor Kathy and I have a friend that I'm still looking. I hadn't seen him in a while in a restaurant. But every time we see him in a restaurant, he buys our lunch. We don't know it. We'll be sitting there waiting for the bill. And the waitress will come by finally and say, uh, well, some man paid for it. Gentlemen gentleman paid for it. And, um, and so it would be stupid for me to say, hey, I'm going to pay for it. Because he's already paid for it. That's what Jesus has done for us. And not accepting Jesus as your Savior, as your personal Savior, is like paying for your own meal even though it's been paid for. So I want you to bow your heads. Uh, I mean, we've all blown it. We've all blown it. And so we all have to take responsibility. But let me tell you, God doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty. He doesn't want you walking around feeling guilty. He wants you to confess it to him. He wants you to come to him, confess your sins, and, and let him forgive that and cleanse you from that and remove that guilt and that shame. That's what happens when we take responsibility for our own lives. God can forgive and cleanse. See, the Word of God says if you confess your sins, you agree with God about your sins, He will...